This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Saks, revolutionary new underwear for men. Made with comfortable fabrics and their patented ballpark pouch, Saks has raised the bar on comfort and performance. If you're like me, you've probably been wearing the same kind of underwear for a decade, with no idea that there's a better option out there. Something comfortable, moisture wicking, with basically a velvet case for your family jewels. Switching to Saks is a game changer. Here to back me up on this is Outside's online gear editor, Jacob Schiller, who recently reviewed a pair of sacks for Outside Online. It really is a much better experience. I personally have thrown away all my other underwear. I will not wear anything that doesn't have a pouch anymore. Not only that, but sacks is made to last. So just a few pairs could be another decade's worth of underwear. To try the ballpark pouch for yourself and get 20% off your first purchase, go to saxunderwear.com slash podcast. That's S-A-X-X. From Outside Magazine and PRX, these are Dispatches, stories from our writers in the field. Three years ago, when the climbing documentary Meru came out, about climbing the shark's fin route on one of the most difficult and dangerous peaks in the Himalayas, it had a lot of the usual trappings of the normal climbing, biking, ski film. Big mountains, breathtaking cinematography, and a healthy dose of product placement. But unlike your average Warren Miller flick, at the heart of Meru was a really compelling story about climbers confronting their own worst fears and coming back from tragedy. Conrad Anker lost his best friend in a climbing accident. Jimmy Chin survived an avalanche he probably shouldn't have survived. And Renan Osterk suffered a head injury that threw into question whether he would ever walk again. But he did, and they made it to the top of Meru, And the result is a movie with so much heart that it's not just a good climbing movie, but a good movie, period. And now this year, the team that made Meru is back with a new documentary, Free Solo. And like Meru, it's got serious Oscar buzz. Free Solo follows climber Alex Honnold over two years as he attempts to become the first person to climb 3,000 feet up the face of Yosemite's El Capitan without any ropes or gear. And the people who really know exactly what he's doing are freaked out. I've thought about El Cap like for years, and every year I'm like, that's really scary. Climbing without a rope is called a free solo. And Honnold's embrace of the discipline has made him arguably one of the first climbers to really transcend the sport. I mean, when was the last time you saw a climber on Jimmy Kimmel? I expected your hands to be like rock formations themselves, but you have kind of normal hands, right? Uh, I mean, also, outside readers are really into articles about his van. For a while there, the only thing bigger than a story on Alex Honnold's old van was when Alex Honnold got a new van. Anyway, the movie follows Honnold not just through the climb, but also through the process of falling in love, and coming to terms with how that might change his life. I mean, make one mistake on a free solo attempt and you're dead. But things don't get really complicated for Alex until he adds in someone on the ground, waiting for him to come down. Free Solo came out in late September, and Outside's executive editor Mike Roberts wanted to know, what's it like for a guy who normally lives by himself in a van to have a camera crew around, documenting this intensely personal story of an incredibly dangerous thing? I mean, the movie chronicles the difficulty Alex has sharing his life with just one person. What's it like to share it with the entire world? Here's Mike. Alex Honhold has not historically been a great interview. I'm just going to say that. And it's not because he's a jerk or dumb. He's actually really nice and very smart. 
but he hasn't always been good at explaining how he does what he does or why. We all look at him climbing these massive rock walls without a rope and we're desperate to know how he gets past the fear or how often he thinks about death. Alex's answers to these questions are just, they're so matter of fact. He talks about executing a plan. He doesn't seem to get why it would be impossible for almost anyone else to do the same thing. When Outside put together our upcoming December print issue cover story on Alex, we started by asking him a bunch of questions. Then we had his friends and family offer commentary on his answers. Our group included Jimmy Chin and Chai Vassarelli, the co-directors of Free Solo, the climber Tommy Caldwell, and Alex's girlfriend, Sonny McCandless, who has a big role in Free Solo. The picture they painted was of a guy who could use a little help understanding himself. But the thing is, if you catch Alex these days at an event or on TV or, say, a podcast, you'll notice that he's actually getting really good at answering questions. He has, of course, had a lot of practice by now. When I met up with him, he was about two weeks into a three-month tour for Free Solo and giving interviews constantly. I moderated a panel discussion with Alex, Jimmy, Chai, and Sonny after a screening, and I swear, Alex was hysterically funny. He's charming in this really unique way, with a kind of extreme candidness that makes everyone in the room love him. For this conversation, I interviewed Alex inside a conference room at the Fairmont Hotel on the top of Knob Hill in San Francisco. One of my first questions was, is he enjoying talking about himself all the time in front of lots of people? He's also being asked to describe what's called the best day of his life again and again. What's that like? Is it pleasurable? I mean, no, I, I, I mean, every day that I talk about El Cap, I am, I am a little happy about it, for sure. I think that actually, um, that freestyling El Cap is probably the only climbing, you know, achievement, if you want to call it that, that I've, that I've had in climbing that does give me a sense of joy over and over, you know, because I think that almost every other big climb that I've done in my life, when I've talked about it for, for media, I'm always like, well, you know, it could have been better, maybe it could have been, you know, it's not, it's, it's not that big of a thing. But with El Cap, I definitely am like, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, like it's, I'm like, that's, that's an amazing route. It's a great climb. Like I'm proud of what I did and I'm proud of the film. I mean, the film Free Solar came out really, you know, I had nothing to do with the editing or the, the filmmaking of, in any way, but, but Chai and Jimmy did a great job of crafting it into a really great film. And so every day, particularly, um, I've been doing a lot of Q and A's after film screenings. So I come in for the last, say five minutes of the film and uh, so I've seen the end of the film, you know, 20 times now or something. And it kind of makes me a little bit happy every single time. Like, the music's amazing, the climbing footage amazing, you know. And it, and it really is, like, tapping back into one of the best days of my life. And so it always kind of puts me in a good mood. And then I answer questions from the audience. And, and I mean, honestly, the audience response has been really enthusiastic. And so, you know, it makes it easy to to carry on the tour because you're like, oh, people are excited about this. People are getting something from it. Like, I'm happy to be able to share, you know. I watched Alex quietly slip into the back of a movie theater at the end of a free solo screening. He was definitely smiling as he watched himself make it to the summit of El Cap. But when he was up in front of the audience later answering questions, I was struck by how awkward that could be. All these strangers just watched this film that really examined his life. And now he and his girlfriend are in front of them getting quizzed about their relationship. Are there parts of that film that make you uncomfortable at all? I mean, it's a deeply personal about you in a lot of ways. So I don't know, maybe you're used to it now, or if you still walk into that theater when you're doing a Q&A at the end, you're like, wow, everyone in here just basically saw me naked in a certain way. 
and it, or if that doesn't get well, to you. So the personal side of it, well, okay, so yeah, I find it sort of horrifying to watch the first hour or so of the film because it is very personal. There's a lot with my relationship with my girlfriend. And um, the thing is, though, it doesn't bother me that much because it is all very honest. And I'm like, that's, I mean, that is my life. It's just laid out. The thing is, I think it would be harder for me to watch if I thought that it was given a slightly skewed uh, perspective. If it was like, oh, he's a daredevil that doesn't care about life or death or like, oh, he's, you know, whatever. But the thing is, I mean, it's, it's just me, you know, like it's very honest and that's, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I think that what makes it hard for me to watch is just that I'm like, oh, you know, I'm not very nice. <laughs> like, I should be a little more thoughtful or like, that's just, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of things. There are a lot of quotes that I'm like, oh, I can't believe I said that. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, geez. What, what about the, the, the question of fear, right? Which I know you've been asked about a gazillion times. Uh, the first time I met you and we, we actually, I think we're sitting at lunch at that North Face Athlete Summit, you were rolling your eyes because I was asking you the kind of questions you get asked all the time. You're like, oh, man, the fear question just sort of kills me. You know, this is 2015, you know, so this is a while ago. Now, now I've had three more years of practice, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I wonder if, if your, your experience in asking, or excuse me, in answering all those questions, if that in any way has affected how you actually think about yourself or about fear, because, you know, maybe, you, you know, you're given these answers and you, you get to a point where you're like, hey, that, that sounded pretty good. Like, I think I just described what really happens. And then you're out in the wall and that plays out like you're being put on the couch, you know, by a lot of people over a long period of time. And I wonder if that's had any impact at all, just being forced to talk about it. I think that the. Yeah, so the being put on the couch and, and talking about my feelings, I think definitely has had an impact on a lot of aspects of my life. Um, certainly through the course of the film, my relationship with my girlfriend, having to talk about the relationship and what it means to us and things like that. I mean, um, you know, uh, you know the term having a DTR, to find the relationship. It's like, you know, the most dreaded part of any, any, any chat normally. And, and, you know, we had to do that over and over for the camera. And so I think there are a lot of aspects of life that, that I'm maybe... Or like conversations about death. I've had so many interviews about death or, you know, how do you visualize your own death or what, how do you feel about it or what does that mean to you? And I think that that's definitely, um, I mean, probably improved my life in some ways. I mean, because you just have to, you know, confront your own mortality or however you want to look at it. So I think that, there, that the being on the couch has probably helped me in a lot of ways. I think that with the, the issue of fear, maybe less so, just because... Um, I don't know. I just don't think it makes that big a difference. You know, no matter how much you talk about fear, ultimately, if you're out in nature and you have a scary experience, like you still just have to deal with it the same way, which is basically take deep breaths, you know, compose yourself and perform. One thing that comes across strongly in Free Solo is Alex's absolute commitment to the project. We understand that he was able to do this because he's a total perfectionist. His mental focus was much more important than his athletic ability. I wanted to know how he got that way. So this, this quest for perfection that was part of free soloing El Cap that comes through in the, in the movie, and that's, you know, you, you describe that uh, in, in really powerful ways in the film. What I wonder is, when you were younger, before you got into climbing in maybe a serious way, if there were any projects that you undertook where, you, where maybe you can look back now and be like, yeah, I can see that I was someone who's going to commit to something big like this when I was 12 you know I was playing this video game and I committed eight months to getting to level 27 and nothing was going to stop me it's it's funny it's it's funny you say that because I definitely did always sort of dive in deep to things I mean be it uh you know computer games when I was a little kid or Legos when I was a little kid 
basically, you know, if I committed, it was kind of all in and I would really go for it. Do you have any specific memories? Like you built like the Millennium Falcon or something like that took forever? Well, okay, so my commitment to Legos was was such that I had so many Legos all over my room that I actually put my bed away and put my bed into the closet. Like I took the bed out of the room and I would just sleep in the little gaps. And my carpet was pretty comfortable, so I slept in my carpet my whole childhood. I actually never slept on the bed. And uh, and I would just sleep in these little nooks like in between where all my Legos were, were laid out. So, don't so don't ever talk to my children. <laughs> yeah, so imagine a bedroom completely covered in a sea of Legos with like little sleeping nooks carved out so that you could just like pass out in between the Legos. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a great rehearsal for being a dirtbag climber. Yeah, exactly. Does, does that show a certain level of commitment? <laughs> so, you know, I think that's a, an appropriate level of, of really going for it as a Lego builder. Yeah. Okay, so I want to try a theory at you that I think kind of goes against... If we're talking about preparing for Albertism, though, sorry to, sorry to jump back in, but uh, so I don't know if you know who Colin Haley is, but he's one of America's best albinists, and I've, I've climbed with him a bunch in Patagonia, and he had this whole thing where I think as a teenager, he was like, I need to toughen up for the mountains, and so he started sleeping on just a wooden board outside in, in like the shed behind his dad's house or something weird, but so he was just sleeping on a plank for like his whole teenage years as a way to like prepare himself for mountain bivvies and it's funny because I spent my whole childhood sleeping on the floor at my mom's house and then when I got older I started sleeping behind the sofa sometimes or sleeping in the living room but basically I was just the carpet was all pretty comfy and I would just sleep on the floor everywhere so I was always in a sleeping bag on the floor and I always think about it it's like me and Colin Haley both just like randomly sleeping on on the ground in various places and then eventually you're like oh it's pretty comfortable to just like sleep on this rock somewhere for the record Alex did tell me that he now sleeps in a bed anyway I got back to asking him about my big theory. In the movie, we see Alex dealing with two extra challenges in his quest to free Solar Well Cap. First, there's the film crew, which could get in his way, or make him lose his focus, or maybe cause him to try something he shouldn't because the cameras are rolling. Then there's Sonny. Suddenly, he's falling in love, which when you need to be 100% dedicated to a life-or-death physical goal, can be a distraction. But there's a total other way of looking at this that the film crew and Sonny were actually keys to Alex's success. In Free Solo, we see Alex giving up on his first attempt to climb El Cap. Part of his explanation was that the cameras made him uncomfortable. He says he might have kept going if he had been by himself, even if he wasn't really ready. And having Sonny in his life meant that he had this huge new reason not to die. I asked Alex what he made of that. I think that's exactly right. I mean, certainly with the filming, it was definitely the case that because we were filming, I wound up putting more time into the preparation. Like, exactly what you just said. I mean, had I been totally by myself, I maybe would have just squeaked it out and sort of done it and been like, well, I got away with it. You know, that's that's cool. At least it's done. Whereas because we were filming, I put in so much work into the preparation that when I finally did it, it felt great. You know, it felt perfect. I, I just flawlessly executed the whole climb, and it you know didn't feel sketchy at all. Um, yeah, and I, and I think that's true for my relationship with Sonny also. Um, yeah, I mean, I, di- I never want to die, but when you have a really great life going on, you're sort of like, oh, I want to make extra sure that I don't die, as opposed to like, well, screw it, I'll just like, you know, get this, you know, get it done. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, because I've done a lot of free solos when I was younger, where I was just kind of like, oh, it'll be an adventure, you know, I'll just sort of get her done. And then you go up there and you're like, well, this is more adventurous than I hoped for. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, no, this is pretty adventurous. Uh, yeah, whereas El Cap was very much the opposite. Did, you know, in the film, you seem to get along with the film crew really well. I mean, you guys have a very strong working relationship. It's hard not to imagine at certain points you being like, hey, guys, like, 
you got to get out of my way or like not now, just like get out of the van. Sonny and I really need to talk. Did it, that didn't end up on camera in the film, but did any of that happen? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure if I ever actually asked them to leave. Um, it's, it's funny. Uh, I'm not really good at, at, I mean, if you watch the film, you can see I'm not great about talking about my feelings or asking for what I need or like saying any of that kind of stuff. And so typically when I was getting really burnt out from filming, I would sort of more just shut down and like hope that eventually they got the message and peace out, um, which, you know, is maybe not the best way. But the thing was, I mean, in general, I was trying not to shut them out ever because I was trusting them to do what they needed to make a good film. And, you know, I'd sort of committed to this process of making a good film. And I was like, if this is what they need, then I'll try to do my best. But then every once in a while, you're just like, oh, I'm so burnt. I just cannot have a camera in my face right now. And, and so then I would just sort of sit there and, and mope until eventually people would leave and then, and then I could lay there in peace. But The climax of Free Solo, when Alex reaches the top of El Cap, the audience is really wound up. Same with the camera crew. Everyone is waiting for Alex to give some huge celebratory cheers, to release his tension and ours. Instead, very calmly, he just says, so delighted. It's kind of weird and shocking. I asked Alex if the crew somehow missed the money shot of him screaming. Was something missed there? No, or? no, I mean, you can see the smile. I mean, you can see that I'm glowing. I mean, I, I mean, what's stronger than delight? You know, I was delighted. I was so happy. Um, no, I mean, that's as happy as I get. That, that word was an interesting choice, though. Like, as you watch it, you're like, delighted. I, I, I use it a lot in general. It's just like, it's just a personal. I, I just like the feeling of delight. Um, I don't know. But I mean, okay, so if we're just diving into it... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's an old clip of, uh, of Dean Potter soloing this route called Heaven in Yosemite. Um, and Heaven is actually, it's this really iconic overhanging crack that's actually the cover photo on, of my book. And um, it's like a really beautiful crack. And so uh, Dean soloed it back in the day. And the footage of him, he does it. And when he gets to the top, he just goes ballistic. Like, Wah! you know, he's like so fired up. And I always saw that, and I was slightly horrified by the whole thing. So I'm like, if he is that excited that he managed to do this, maybe he shouldn't have been doing it. I was like, if it's that close to the edge, like maybe, maybe it's not something that you should be doing, you know? And so, um, and like when I sold at Heaven, you know, I just got to the top and I was like, yeah, of course it's sold at Heaven because this is like normal. You know, this feels comfortable for me. There was definitely no screaming. And so, and no, no disrespect to Dean because he's the man. He's a big inspiration. I'm, I'm not trying to slander Dean, but... But it just kind of showed a difference in approach. And I feel like my approach to, to El Cap was the same thing, is that it was only really possible for me if I made it normal. You know, if I, if I prepared to the point where I was like, of course I can free solo El Cap because that's, that's something I can do. Like, that's, that's normal for me now. And then when you do something normal, I mean, it is, you know, deeply satisfying. It made me very happy. But it wasn't like I didn't go ballistic because, you know, I mean, it's normal. And that's- Did you imagine the feeling you would have and what you would say getting up top, did you let yourself go there before you set out on the climb? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I'd sort of imagined how satisfying it would be to be on top of El Cap or the, or the feelings. Um, the last 500 feet or so are relatively easy. And so I'd sort of imagine the feeling of just flowing up those, those top pitches, knowing that all the hard stuff was below me and that I'd basically done it. Because in a lot of ways, that's kind of the, that's like, the real payoff to soloing something like that is to have those feelings of, of beautiful climbing and this crazy position and, and know that you've like done this hard thing. Perhaps the most powerful scene in Free Solo comes a few minutes after Alex tops out on all cap when he takes a phone call from Sonny. 
you know, it's, it's an emotional moment. She's really excited. She tells you she's proud of you. And you're telling her like, hey, don't, don't cry. You're, you know, you're going to make me cry. I don't want to do that. And then you say, wait, no, I think I do want to do that. But ultimately watching it, everyone's, wait, is he going to cry now? Like, is he going to let loose? But, but you didn't, at least right then. So was there, do you know why it just didn't happen? Or? No, there, yeah, there were just no tears. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, as I say in the film, I, w- I was feeling very emotional and, and I was feeling really grateful for the partners that I've been climbing with and for Sonny and just the whole process and even for the crew. I mean, because I've been working so hard with the film crew for this whole process. And so, and we all, you know, I mean, the, I think there were tears with the crew, like every, you know, I mean, we were all feeling very, you know, it was, it was a powerful day. I mean, it was, it was a very emotional morning and I think we were all feeling pretty raw. Um, and also, I mean, partially for me, just having the physical output for the morning, you know, like straining really hard. Everything is just closer to the surface because you're like, oh, I just, you know, push myself to the limit to some extent. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, all, it, was, it was super powerful. So there wasn't a moment like the cameras are off. It's an hour later. You're down at the bottom and you're like on your knees sobbing and they just didn't happen to be rolling the cameras. No, no, uh, no. I mean, that's honestly one of the things that I love about the film is that it is all like it's all there, you know. And it's funny, um, Chai Basarelli, the, the director, or the co-director, whichever, but um, she, uh, she tells this little story that, because she, she was shooting down from the meadow, she, shooting the long shot from, from the ground, and, uh, and after the whole top out, she talked to, to the, the, the cinematographer, Claire, who filmed that exchange with me talking on the phone to Sonny, and uh, she was like, oh, you know, did you get the top out celebration? Like, what happened? And, and when she saw it, she was like, he just said, I'm delighted. She was like, what the heck? Like, where's the end of my movie? Like, that sucks. And, uh, and then Claire, the cinematographer, was like, oh, don't worry. He had this phone call with Sonny, and it was, like, much more, much more powerful. And Charles was like, all right, I get it, you know, if you say so. But, um, but I don't know. I mean, but that's, but that's what happened. You know, it's all, it's all honest. One thing everyone wants to ask Alex, now what? Where do you go from here? When I asked him this, his first answer was basically just more of the same, more climbing, more work on his relationship with Sonny and on himself. But the thing is, with Free Solo, Alex has most likely completed the highest profile project of his career. It's the thing that's going to make him most famous. He's 33 years old, and he's already done what he'll always be best known for. Alex Honhold is the guy who climbed El Cap without a rope. And he's fine with that. So that is why the the question becomes like, well, maybe you're, you're you shift to a different kind of a you know relationship to the mountains. Well, or or just a harder free climbing in general, not necessarily free soloing, but um, like I've been working on a route, a free climbing route on the right side of El Cap that I sort of worked on with with Sonny Trotter, another professional climber, throughout this whole film process. But we just he has a family, and so we just didn't quite have time to finish it. Um, so I'd like to finish that. And like Tommy's been talking about maybe some new free climbing objective on El Cap, which I think would be amazing to go climbing with Tommy on El Cap like that. Um, so, I mean, you know, they're, they're almost unlimited climbing projects to work on. It's just that they'll never have quite the same scope as, as something like the film Free Solo. You know, it's just not quite as... But the thing is, in terms of personal satisfaction and, and personal effort, I mean, some of those things might actually be harder, you know, like... You know, if I ever wanted to repeat the Donwall or something like that, would probably be harder for me than than free selling El Cap in a lot of ways. But it's just not going to be, you know, inspiring to the mainstream public in the same way. I'm like, whatever. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. That's Mike Roberts talking with Alex Honnold. This piece was brought to you by Saks Underwear. More at saksunderwear.com/podcast. This piece was produced by Mike Roberts, Robbie Carver, and me, Peter Frick Wright. Free Solo is out now in limited release. 
Find showtimes and more at nationalgeographic.com. The Outside Podcast is a production of Outside Magazine and PRX.